Hi, this is Dr. Sean Handorp, clinical psychologist and health behavior expert, and this is the Motivation Made Easy podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you science-backed information, strategies, and inspiration to master your relationship with food so that you can feel in control of your habits, respect your body, and free your mind to focus on the things in life that truly matter. I'm a clinical psychologist, and I've had years of experience doing research and patient care in the field of weight management and eating disorders. So I've had the insider view on understanding what works and what we're getting very, very wrong. In this podcast, you'll find practical information and tips based on motivation science, interviews from experts, and stories from real people and how they've navigated their relationship with food. My goal is to empower you with information, inspire you to make changes that fit you, and feel 100% supported along the way. So settle in and make yourself comfortable, and get excited to learn and take action for a better, healthier, more energized life. Hey everyone, Dr. Hondorp here, and before we dive into today's episode, I need to make sure that you're aware of my new challenge coming up starting February 27th. So Saturday, February 27th, the group is going to open. It's a free online five-day challenge. It's going to take place in a private Facebook group. However, if you hate social media, that's okay. You can actually do it just via email, but you're going to get the most benefit if you join the Facebook group because then you'll get the community benefit. It's going to be really, really great. I've been working really hard on it. It's this free opportunity to kind of work with me and bring together the how of all these things we've been talking about with the not dieting, moving away from the diet mentality, and implementing some healthier habits. Specifically, we'll be learning one plant-based meal and one plant-based snack. Both are 100% kid-approved. I chose the recipes that our family loves the best, including my kids. So we'll be teaching those. Although, you know me, I'm not going to push any type of eating plan on you. It's just we're teaching those to teach the concepts of the mindset behind making changes. So we're going to be talking mostly about mindset behind making changes, how to shift towards autonomous change, how to dig deep onto your values, and really clarify why you want to make these changes, how to make those values super visible and present in your life so that you can remind yourself, like, this is why I'm doing this. So I'm so excited. One of the things that I put together on Wednesday of the group that honestly is the one I'm probably most excited to share with you is what's called a values vision board. And I laugh a little bit because vision boards are not exactly my thing. I find them, I don't know, they just sound a little cheesy to me, but all it is is just a a free template that you plug and play a couple pictures and there's all these stock images So like I've already done mine and one of mine is an image of like a random older couple hiking through some beautiful national park. And for me, that image really grounds me in. I want to grow old with my husband and our family, of course, but this particular picture is just of the couple and be able to feel energetic enough to hike with him until we're like hopefully 70. Honestly, that's my goal. The Values Vision Board is all about picking statements and images that really resonate with you and remind you of the the reasons you're doing what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. So 
there's a bunch of things we're going to be doing in the group. It's all going to be, you know, 10 to 20 minutes a day tops, five days. There's going to be prizes. Do not miss it. Go to drhondorp.com forward slash challenge to sign up and we will get you on the list for the group right when it opens. So I cannot wait to see you there. Don't miss it. I'm not sure when I'm going to do it again. So if you're listening to this later, still sign up because I'll probably do it again in the future, but it's not going to be for a while. So just make sure that you go there now, drhondorp.com forward slash challenge. All right, on to today's episode. And then real quick, just a reminder that the challenge as well as this podcast, the blog is all for informational and educational purposes only. It is not any form of medical professional or psychological mental health advice or nutrition advice. So make sure that you get all of that information from your trusted provider. So that said, this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. That being said, I do hope that this information is useful to you, and I hope that you take that to your trusted provider to see if they'd be a good fit for your specific situation, for your family's specific situation, and consult them and go from there. All right, guys. So today's episode is going to be all about how to cultivate a healthy body image and healthy habits in your entire family. And this is an episode and a topic that I've been wanting to talk about for a while. It's sort of been percolating. I think I wrote a draft of this blog post a while ago. And I'm really excited to talk to you about it today because it's a really big deal. And there's so many areas that most families need to improve on this. So we're going to delve into a lot of tips and strategies and ways to think about it that I think will be really useful to you. If you are like most people, you worry a lot about negatively impacting your family's relationship with food, particularly your kids. So I'll say that as a mom and wife and having two younger kids, in some ways I'll be able to speak more to that experience, but I do think that this episode is going to be helpful for a number of different people in different situations. I can tell you that as someone who is a planner, I've worried for years about making sure I had my own body image and eating struggles under control so I didn't pass it along to any future kids. And I did this before I even had a partner. I was thinking about this. Luckily for me, really luck plus combined with a ton of work and education in this area and frankly making my career about relationship with food, I can say that today food is not something that I stress about in our house like pretty much at all besides the logistics of, you know, I'm tired and I don't feel like going to the grocery store kind of stress, but I don't beat myself up about it. I don't worry much at all about our kids eating. It's just not a stressor in our home. So I've worked really hard to get here and I want this episode to be hopefully really practical and useful so that you can get there faster than I did. So who is this episode for? If you're someone who worries about passing along food issues to your kiddos or kids that you want in the future, this is also for you if you've worried that you've already messed up your kid's relationship with food and you're not sure how to repair it. This is for you if you're just wondering how to promote healthy food choices and exercise in your home without making people feel badly about themselves or making things worse. Finally, this could also be for you if you're living in a house where other people aren't focused on 
their health or making changes. I won't even say dieting, but that might be the term that you use, right? But you're feeling kind of bad about having to eat separate food or feeling like you need to make separate meals. So I think there's going to be something here for many different types of folks today. Today, like I said, it's all about cultivating healthy habits and a healthy body image. Both are essential in the entire family. Even if your kids are adults, it's not too late. So stay tuned for what you can do to remedy the situation, whether your kiddo is two or 62. So before we dive in with some of the how, let's talk a little bit about body image statistics in our country. Now, maybe some of you have heard these before. I know I certainly had, but to review them, it honestly was a little bit emotional because maybe partly because I have kids now, but let's go over these stats and let's really think about what they mean. Research in, we'll start with males. In the U.S. shows that about 25% of male children or adolescents were concerned about their muscularity and leanness. So they expressed a desire for greater tone and defined muscles. So one in four uh, boys, children or adolescents, are, is already concerned about this from a muscularity standpoint. In the U.S. for adult men, 9% reported frequent body checking. That's when you are sort of checking, pinching certain areas of your body, checking mirrors, other types of checking of your weight or shape. And 5% re reported body image avoidance, so avoiding seeing your body, which would suggest body dissatisfaction and potentially disordered eating. So, you know, relatively smaller in the adult men with those more extreme disordered eating sort of indicators. And then there was another study that looked at a hundred, a thousand adult women in Switzerland. These were age 30 to 74. And so not the U.S., but Switzerland population. Despite 73% of these women falling in the normal weight range, more than 70% expressed the desire to be thinner. This was also true for older women. 65% were in a normal weight range, yet 62% wish to be thinner. So very high indication that people are wanting to always be smaller. Now we're going to go to adolescent and younger girls, which these are the ones that really get me. I don't know about you guys, but about 50% of 13-year-old American girls reported being unhappy with their body by the time they got to 17 years of age, guess what that number was at? Nearly 80% at that time were unhappy with their body. Nearly 80% of young teen girls report fears of becoming fat. And although I don't think these stats are all that surprising, I think they're really concerning and upsetting. I think that they indicate a larger cultural systemic problem. And I think there's a lot we need to do to shift our views of what health is on a social level, but I think we just need to recognize that when it comes to what you can do within your home to promote a healthy body image and healthy habits, you are, we need to acknowledge that you are working an uphill battle against societal norms. So this is not easy and I don't want you to beat yourself up for not doing it perfectly. And also you can really work hard on this and you're particularly young daughter could still struggle. And so I don't want you to beat yourself up about that either. You can just control what you can. And that's what we're here to do. 
But we are sadly, and like I said, I kind of got emotional reading those stats, thinking about my daughter. That is 100% the opposite of what I want for her. And of course, my son too. I don't want them to hate their bodies. I want them to love and respect their bodies. And I want them to keep that instilled in them as long as they possibly can, hopefully forever. I know that's a huge goal in our society, but that is what I want for them. And I bet that is what you want for you your loved ones, your kiddos, people you care about. I just, that's my best guess. And that's one of probably the biggest driving factors of why I do what I do is I want to help people get there faster because I know how awful it can be to struggle with those things. And I also know that there is a better way to think about it. So that's why we're here. So I've worked with so many adults and heard so many stories about comments from their parents, particularly how parents have made comments about their body and they really stuck with them and negatively influenced the adult's relationship with food. I've also heard a lot of stories about clients in their 60s, 70s, who had a parent who kind of acknowledged that they messed up and apologized and how meaningful that is. So again, even if you have adult children that are way out of the home, you would be surprised. It's never too late to acknowledge that you did some things that were not helpful and to apologize for any pain that you caused to them because those, our parents, our relationship with our parents matters. So if you're listening and you're willing to do that, it can go a long way. I've heard so many stories about that. You know, does parenting matter? Am I going to mess up my kid here? Yeah, parenting matters a lot. Like I said, you can do everything right and the kiddo can still internalize a negative body image, but you have a lot of influence and your kids are always paying attention. They're always watching and listening. So let's talk about parental anxiety. Parental anxiety and worry is real. It isn't going away, but we have to be aware of it and keep it in check. And so when I talk about anxiety, what I'm saying is your your fears, your fears that your kid's going to be gaining weight and get stigmatized or have bias against them or concerns about your kiddo's health or concerns about anything really. Like parent anxiety is always going to be there. But I think one of the absolute hardest things to do as a parent is watch your kid be in pain or in struggle in some way. And yet we have to allow them the space to do so, so they can learn and develop confidence. And I can only imagine how hard this is in some other situations that I have only yet to be encounter in my life. But I know you want your kids to eat well and be as healthy as possible. You want to help them avoid any weight gain and also the unfair but real weight bias that exists in our country, right? I know you want their life to be easier, but there's different ways to go about it than certain suggestions. So when I say your suggestions are making things worse, What I mean by that is the vast majority of the time, your suggestions like maybe join a sports team or do you really need that snack? Even if you say it nicely, is almost always making things way worse, not better. Sometimes parents are blatantly cruel and unfortunately I've heard those stories a lot because those folks tend to really struggle with their relationship with food, understandably, but a lot of times it can be more subtle and so this could be a mom who's like, hey, daughter, you want to join up with my Weight Watchers with me to be healthy? Or, hey, the dad who tells his kid, 
let's just join a sports team to stay fit. Kids re are smart. They read between the lines and they know you. If you're worried about their weight, they probably know it. And they often are not going to realize you want the best for them. Most of the time what they hear are the criticism. My parents don't accept me. They think I'm ugly, fat. They don't love and accept me as I am. That's the message that they're getting, whether you intend to give that message or not. So a sense of self-acceptance and belonging is the absolute best thing you can do for them, right? So we talk all the time in this podcast about relatedness and that sense of belonging. Well, they can get that from the home, even if they're struggling to get it outside of the home. And so sending that message is way better for their health than anything logistical behavioral suggestions you make regarding eating or exercise. So at this point, you might be wondering, okay, great, but what if I'm still struggling with my body image? How can I teach them to love and respect their body if I'm still working on it? So first of all, make sure that you are in fact actively working on your own body image. I mean, you're here listening to this, so I'm going to assume you are, but make sure that that is an active part of what you're working on because you're right, it's going to be really hard to teach something. You don't have to have it all figured out, but you do want to acknowledge this is something that I'm still working on and depending on the kiddo's age and your judgment, you may let them in a little bit and know this is something I've struggled with and I'm actively working on it and here's how I'm doing it. But to just accept like I'm always going to hate my body is the way it is, it is going to make it harder for you to pass that along. So if you can at least be making baby steps in that direction, that's going to be really helpful because you're then teaching what you're doing and we always do learn more when we teach, right? So what we want to do is really develop and demonstrate a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset as it comes to overcoming body image issues. The same thing goes with the way we think about eating and our behaviors, not fixed, not rigid, flexible, and growth focused. So the growth mindset is the mindset of learning, growing, and changing. It really is something that can be applied to any struggle we have. And it's also a mindset that's going to serve us really well, regardless of what goals and dreams we hope to achieve. So you can acknowledge to yourself or to people in your household, if you'd like, that you're working on your relationship with food and your body image while still helping your kids work on theirs, regardless of where you're both are at. So sometimes our kids are ahead of us and that's okay. Listen more than you talk, ask open-ended questions, find out their experience, check in with them. How are you feeling about things today? You can talk more generally about how they're feeling, or you can say, you know, it's really common for people to struggle with their body image. And I want everyone in this family to, you know, feel as good about their body as possible. What have you found that's helpful for you? What hasn't been helpful? Learn about them. And again, this obviously depends on their age, but for older kids, they'll tell you. So remind them and yourself as well that you're human, you're a work in progress, and you want to support them, but you don't always know the best way. So admitting your humanness can be really powerful. You can express to them you want them to be happy and that you're sorry if you've ever made them feel less than okay or unaccepted in the past. Let them know if there's things that they'd like you to say or not say to help them be the best version of themselves. And just make sure that you actually listen here. It can be painful to listen because you might hear things where you hurt them, 
but just listen and just take it in. You can handle it because that's going to be really powerful for that relationship and for that kiddo. What are some other tips to promote great body image in the household? We want to avoid any and all fat and diet talk. So what is fat and diet talk? That is, I feel fat today, or I'm being bad today, or I ate this really bad thing. I need to work it off. Anything that is falling into the diet mentality that we talk about so much on this podcast. Instead, you could focus not on the habits at all and just ask people in the household how they're feeling. If you do really want to talk about your habits, I would ask yourself why, but it's okay to talk about your habits and how you feel. So if you're feeling uncomfortable in your jeans and tempted to say out loud that you feel fat or that you need to go for a walk because of that, maybe keep that thought to yourself. And instead of saying something like that, Maybe say something like, I want to be more active this week. I've been feeling low energy. I'd like to cook a few more home-cooked meals this week. And guess what? Even if that's not the natural thing to say, the more you say those things, the more you're going to shift away from that diet mentality. It's just like practice, and you're going to start to learn. It's a new skill, and it takes time to learn it. We've been, most of us in our society have been so used to diet talk and all or nothing diet mentality thinking that we think it's just the way to do things. It's the default way. But so when we make some changes, we have to actively really be thinking about it as we're changing the skill. And now, I mean, for me, it's very natural to, to talk in that way. So it gets way easier over time. So again, focusing how you want to feel instead, focusing on habit shifts that'll help you get there. And sometimes you don't even need to say it out loud, but if you do feel the need to say something out loud, though you could focus more on the habits and the feeling internally than um, calories, good and bad foods, all or nothing thinking, all that. Another really helpful tip that might be pretty different than what you're doing right now is to gradually, or all at once if you want, shift the household to a similar eating pattern. So here's the thing. The weight loss industry and the diet industry wants you to think that everyone needs a different eating plan. Some people need to be on diets, some don't. Some people need to be eating high carb, some low carb. I have not seen any data to really support any of that. Yes, do people have specific medical conditions, intolerances that need to be considered? Yeah, of course, and I'm not discounting that. But as a whole, actually I'm rereading, or not rereading, I'm reading whole rethinking the science of nutrition and it's really good it's by t colin campbell i highly recommend it but that book talks about this view of what we call reductionism when it comes to nutrition versus holism and how it's just entirely unhelpful you've heard me say it before if you listen to this podcast often and i'll say it again moving away from processed foods and to a pretty decent extent animal products, there's really good data to moving towards more plants, unprocessed stuff, whole foods as close to their natural form as possible. And that's the main gist. I mean, yes, there's some nuances, of course, but whole foods, real foods, mostly plants, and of course, taking into consideration your preferences and everything within that, 
it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You can gradually move in that direction. You're going to have weeks where you eat more plants, less plants. It doesn't really matter, but shifting in that direction so that a, as a parent, you're not a short order cook that feels like you have to make five different meals for five different people. And also thinking about when, especially for kids, you're responsible for determining the types of foods that are brought into the home and served, and the kids are responsible for the amount. So it's called the vision of responsibility by Ellen Satter, kind of coined that term, and it's really helpful when it comes to feeding your kiddos because getting kids to eat or do anything they don't want to do is really hard. So you give up the food fight. You just are like, here's your dinner. I hope you enjoy it. In fact, with my daughter, who's three and a half, I do everything I can to not like to make it seem like it's her idea to eat the food. So I almost like sort of wait and like, I'll be cooking something or I'll be eating it first. And she'll be like, what is that? And she's like, oh, you want some of this? Make it seem like it's their idea. That's just more of a toddler thing. But people like autonomy. Toddlers like autonomy. Everyone likes autonomy and choice. So, but not giving a hundred choices, like this is the meal. You can have some choices within it. And I'll do that often for my kids too, or at least my daughter where we'll make, let's say it's like a plant-based meal with a bunch of different, I don't know, taco toppings. And then she'll often like things separate still. Like I know I didn't like things that uh, combined together on the plate. So that's another thing that I do is sort of say like, do you want you want some of the lentils? Do you want some of the tomatoes? Do you want some of the avocado, whatever? And then give her those choices before I combine everything together. So you can still give choice within the meal, but if she's not interested in what we're eating, she's just not going to eat as much that night. And that's fine. And I don't stress about that. So I know everyone's situation is different, but these are general rules of thumb of shifting towards everyone eating similar things whenever possible. And I know there's a lot of logistical challenges to that. this. I get that, but that's what I would recommend so that you don't have to worry as much about the nuances if you're just like, most of the time we're eating quality stuff and I don't stress about the other stuff. So that brings me to my next point, which is to avoid restriction whenever you can. For us, that looks like avoiding bringing a lot of sweets or tempting foods into the home but not being overly rigid at all with that. And again, when you're gradually building up, mostly eating really high quality foods most of the time, then you just don't have to stress about the other time. I mean, some people talk about the 80-20 rule. I, um, yeah, maybe we do 80-20. I don't really know, but it's like mostly and the others are occasions. And so the reason we don't bring a lot of sweets in the house is because I don't want to get to the point where we're just doing a lot of restriction. I don't want to restrict. So if it's not there, then there's no need to restrict at all. So I try to avoid doing any restriction for anyone whenever I can and not bring it into the house is a way that, that we do that. And that works quite well for us. If you already are having a lot of sweets or you know higher processed foods in the home, and this is going to be a big shift, you don't have to do it all at once. You can gradually get out of the habit by buying less where you can. If you usually get a bag of candy from the grocery store and your kids know and ask about it, 
you can either gradually just start buying it less or stop. But if they ask, depends on their age, right? But you could just say, oh, I decided not to get it this time. And if they want to know why, maybe just say, oh, I was just focused on getting some of the other things for dinner. I didn't think of it. Or sometimes if it's in the house, I eat more than I want to and my stomach feels upset. So I just thought maybe we could start going out when we wanted to get something sweet instead and focus it on you, not them. So that's just you saying like, I feel better when I eat this way. And, but only do that if it's true, right? I, I think all of this needs to feel authentic and accurate and your kids know you. So if you're trying to like pull one over them and trick them, that's probably not going to work. Be authentic. If you're like, I really do feel worse when we, I eat a bunch of candy and I just feel sluggish, then share that. But don't share it in a co-op attempt to change their behavior. Just share it if it truly does work for you. And that's, I think, the beauty of all of this is that most of us, for the most part, feel better when we eat less processed stuff. So we can share that from an authentic place of like, yeah, I just feel better this way and I, you're welcome to join me. No pressure, right? Autonomy, guys. Autonomy. All right, next tip is relax and don't catastrophize. So this one's hard, but here's the thing. Any one behavior is not going to matter. It's not going to cause anyone to be unhealthy or overweight overnight. You know, with our kids, we care a lot. We catastrophize a lot. That's what our brain does. It's designed to seek out danger and jump to that conclusion so it can prevent it, but it's unhelpful in our current environment. So when you notice yourself having a thought like, oh my gosh, my daughter's going to get addicted to candy and become overweight, rein yourself in. When tasty stuff's around, our brain's designed to eat it because that's they know what they're doing when they make those foods. So nothing's wrong with the kid, their brain. It's The restriction may have caused them to feel more out of control. So we want to work on the re- less restrictive mindset and helping them to feel loved and accepted to really work on that relationship. And finally... Focusing on how you can feel good in your body and model this to the kiddos or others in the home. So even if someone with the old mindset of exercising for weight loss comes up, just noticing and challenging that by saying, I'm going to go out for a walk. I need a little fresh air. Anyone want to join? So you can just notice and challenge some of these things and focus more on internal. I don't even focus a lot on health as a reason, like, oh, eat this because it's healthy because there's some evidence and there's a study that I've talked about before that when kids are told a food is a vegetable is yummy and going to make them healthy, they eat less than if they're just told it was yummy. So that what's called an instrumental motivator can actually reduce liking of a food. So health becomes a lot of times a should or an external motivation. So again, it's not bad, but we think about why, again, why do we want good health? Usually we want it to feel good, feel energetic, feel able to participate in the life we want to. So I would focus more on that is I'm going to do this because I feel best when I do it. I'm able to concentrate. I'm able to have as much energy as I want to play with you. I'm going to be able to, you know, do all the things I want to do. Focusing on that versus just health itself tends to be more internal and So again, modeling that type of language, if you're going to talk about it, you don't always have to talk about it. We, we feel like we have to, parents, I feel like have to 
feel like they got to show the kids and teach them. And, you know, you don't have to make everything explicit, especially if behind that message, you're really trying to like make them change. They're going to feel that they're going to feel controlled. And that's external motivation, controlled versus autonomous. Autonomous is internal, the ideal kind, controlled is external shoulds. If they feel very controlled by you, then you're much less likely to get that behavior change you want or get them to have a flexible, healthy relationship with food. All right, guys, I hope this was helpful. I know that there's a lot of nuances to this. I know it's not easy, but I truly think the good news is we don't need to treat people differently. If this person's wanting to manage their weight and this person has a disordered eating or a body image disturbance, we all can have pretty similar goals to, you know, obviously our preferences and individual preferences matter, but I don't think it has to be this nuance. This person needs this, this person needs this diet. And that's what this reading this book whole rethinking the science of nutrition with T. Colin Campbell has been really pivotal. I'm not totally done with it yet, but I think that it's, again, we get, it's just more data about how we get caught up in all the nitty gritty nutrients and macronutrients. And we need to get this nutrient from this. And this person needs this nutrition. Everything I'm reading, you guys, I I don't, I always say like, I'm not a nutritionist by training, but I just interviewed a dietitian for a podcast episode coming up and she reinforced these same messages. So I think I'm getting it right. And if I'm, if you think I'm missing something, by all means, I would love to hear from you because I think that we need to think about nutrition as a whole. Like we need to step back, look at the bird's eye view and really think about like overall the whole foods that we're getting into our life and not the nitty gritty protein, carb, fat, that type of thing. More plants is the thing that I've consistently seen to be associated with better health outcomes on all levels. And so that's why, that's why my challenge, you know, coming up in a week or so now, that's why it's focused on that because I think that's the main thing we know is useful for a whole bunch of different, like we all should probably be doing that. And you heard me say should, but you know, should from the standpoint of it's the most consistently linked with our health. And most of us at some level want that, but then again, we get to decide what that means for us. So make sure you join that challenge. If you haven't already, it's going to be awesome. And also, if you have any questions about this, that challenge is a great place to ask the questions because we're going to be delving into these topics more. And if you can't make the challenge, just, you know, you can always contact me as well. And I'd love to hear from you what you're struggling with, what questions you have about how to implement this. You can find me at support at drshondorp.com. And the challenge is drhondorp, D-R-H-O-N-D-O-R-P, dot com forward slash challenge. So make sure you sign up, get your spot and join us. It's going to be so much fun. All right. Thanks and have a wonderful day. Thank you for tuning in today. Your time is valuable and it means so much to me that you're here. Despite the title of this podcast, many of our topics are not always easy. Change is hard and let's face it, life and truly looking inward at ourselves can be uncomfortable. That's why I'm grateful. Grateful for you and your willingness to listen, learn, and keep an open mind. I invite you to learn more by going to drshawnhondorp.com 
or finding me on Instagram at psychology.of.wellness. If you're enjoying this podcast, it would be amazing if you could give it a review so more people can find it. Thanks, and I truly hope you have an energetic and inspired day.